Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Check out the Hog Talk Podcast, the newest addition to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Find it on hitthatline.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you're looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. Get on over there and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Support for the Hog Talk podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping using the code HAWG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code HAWG. Razorback fans, be sure and see the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Three, two, one. Yo, what is up, Razorback fans? Hope you guys are doing well. Welcome to the Friday Hog Talk podcast. I am Ty Hudson, the host on the Friday show. Alongside me on this one, none other than Porter Hayes. How are you doing, my man? Doing amazing. Uh, just left Bud Walton Arena, driving down 49. and I'm glad we took a little bit to get me on because man that was just such an electric atmosphere the fans they sold out they sold over 400 tickets in two hours to finally sell that thing out and you could tell every bit of 4400 was in that game i was on the edge of my seat the entire second half and i was trying to keep up with it in the first half i know you were there i'm sitting here thinking like man i remember last year when you and i both got to go i had so much fun at those games i couldn't imagine what that atmosphere was like tonight well you were I don't know if you were there at the Texas A&M game with me last year, but it was like that times five. Yeah. And and you caught the best part of it. Second half, they started off on that 12-0 run. Yeah. And, and it was one of them. UConn kept on finding, and I'm telling you right now, you don't know who Paige Beckers is. She's a freshman. Yeah. She's going to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, she, she, she was playing on a hurt ankle. I mean, she played that game. Wow. Tried to take over, and then she was walking in a boot after the game. But, but yeah, they go on that 12-0 run, and – Chelsea Dungy's making a case for SEC Player of the Year. Um, I know we got Ryan Howard in Boston over there in uh, South Carolina, but she's starting to take over and she's starting to go into the beast mode. She uh, she was a baller. There's no doubt tonight she came through big time. I love – and I saw this last year, and I know you did too – her ability to get to the free throw line to force the issue down low, I absolutely love it. I love her toughness. She is something else to watch. If you guys haven't had a chance – I mean, I don't know what you're doing. You're sitting on your hands or something. If you haven't had a chance, 
to watch these girls play, especially Chelsea and, and all of them. Ramirez, they're all they're all ballers. They're all absolute ballers. But Chelsea is just something special. Neighbors, I mean, you know, he's a friend of the show. We're obviously fans. Yeah, we're a little biased, but holy cow, watch these girls play. Second top five victory of the year, and Cabo told us in our group chat, I didn't know this, they've never done that before. That's a first. They've ever won two top five games in a single season. So I didn't have a chance to to fact check that, but I'm going to take his word for it. Uh, I know the Razorbacks, the, lady, the Ladybacks were really good back in the 90s and, and definitely had some great moments then. Tonight was one for the history books. It's so cool you got to be there. Oh, man, it was amazing. And, and Amber Ramirez, really, she needed this game for her confidence. I mean, she was kind of struggling. You know, she she was injured, and, you know, now she come back. And, man, you could just feel the, the fans, like Coach Neighbor said after the game, the fans got them 15 to 20 points. I mean, they were feeding <laughs> – off of every three, uh, Michaela Daniels stepped up. I'll tell you what, in the second quarter, Riley Langerman, another freshman, you know, she come up and gave them a good two, three minutes and shut Kristen Williams down there at the end of the half because everybody, they were only playing with eight players. They had some issues yep. with some players out. So for them to be down eight players, to two eight players, they got the girls in foul trouble. And this is another thing I mentioned. Uh, they got UConn to play their style of ball. They, they got their bigs in foul trouble. So, UConn was having one rebound and four back. So, that played right into Arkansas's hands. And, and I was talking to some guys on press row. I didn't want to jinx myself. But I was like, dude, Arkansas can win this game if they keep playing this style of play. And, and they did. And it was amazing. Paige Beckers tried to take over in the fourth quarter. But, you know, it, it, excuse my language, but Chelsea Junji said, hold my beer. <laughs> Absolutely. The ladies scored 31 points in the third quarter alone. That's the most given up by UConn all year. Again, this is their first loss of the year. They came into Bud Walton. I mean, imagine, and all I kept saying to myself is imagine if that place were packed. Imagine if it was if they were allowed to go capacity, that place would be full. We've heard that place with just a few thousand people inside that inside Bud Walton. Oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine uh, the fans would show up, would have shown up for this game. There's no doubt about that. And uh, well, this game probably wouldn't have happened if it was for, not for COVID. You know, I mean that that's one of the things we, we're kind of mm-hmm. blessed because this game was put together because of COVID. And I'll tell you what, this was the first time I've been in that arena this year that they didn't need that piped in that piped in crowd noise. I mean that the fans were nuts. <laughs> so big big shout out for real. And I, I posted something on Twitter after, you know, this is why Arkansas is the best fan base in the nation. And they proved it tonight on a Thursday night at five o'clock to show up and show out and, and really cheer these girls on. Cause they deserve it. I agree. 110%. I, I, I agree. 110%. They were, they, man, they leave it all out there on the court. We've seen that time and time again, uh, with, and, and, and you know, that's a reflection of Mike neighbors and these girls as, you know, as, as ball players. I mean, they are, they're absolute, they put it on for for the state of Arkansas tonight, and it was something else to watch. I'm so glad I got to finish that game out in the second half. Uh, going, and, well, I'm, something else to add too. You know, they they've had a couple of heartbreaking losses this year. You yeah. know, yeah, they got beat by South Carolina, and then that Texas A&M game where they were up with 30 seconds left, lost that. And then you know the Georgia game, the girl hits the game winning buzzer. So I mean, like I said, for the fans to come up and show out for this team, they were kind of down on themselves, and I know there was some. Some fans that were, you know, criticizing the team. I mean, they were one in five against ranked opponents. So I'm telling you, 
I know it was UConn, but a, a win of this magnitude, they deserved it, and they meet, needed this win more than more than the Baylor game. So their losses this year, the ladies. Okay, we got to remember this is the SEC. Women's basketball SEC is just on an entirely different level. This year they've lost they they lost to Maryland, who's twelve and two currently. Kentucky, and, and by the way, Maryland, I think at the time was top five. I think they're currently top 10. Uh, Kentucky was number 15, and I think they're also still top 20. They were 11-4, and 7-1 and one going into that game. 20th ranked Tennessee Volunteers, who were 10-3, and 6-1 and one in that game. Te- Texas A&M, number eight. South Carolina, who's 12-1, and one, number four in the country. And then Georgia, uh, who's won six of last seven. And they are number 22 in the country. Of course, Arkansas is number 19. Uh, I assume they're going to get a, a pretty big boost in the uh, in the rankings. I hope. I think they deserve it. So uh, going down the going down the numbers here, and like you said, they're missing some uh, they're missing some players. I counted six: uh, Avery Hughes, Jalen Mason, uh, Destiny McGee, Destiny uh, Olberg, Grace Spangler, yep. and Macy Weaver. Is what I'm seeing. And, and here's another stat to think about. They went 11 for 20 at the free throw line and still won the game by three. Horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible free throw shooting. Hey, I'm, I'm. If, but if, they were tired. I mean, they were running with eight. Oh so yeah. That's, I mean, you know, they were running tired, but still, yeah. They were exhausted. 11 for 20 from the free throw line, still beat a top five team by three. And shorthanded, like we just mentioned, yes. yeah, fifty-five percent at the free throw line. So the ladies, we'll start with UConn first. They shot thirty-three of sixty from the floor, fifty-five percent, three-point range. They sh- they took a lot of them. I-, I don't know if if that's their average. If UConn averages this as many attempts, but they had twenty-three attempts at three-point range. They were twelve of twenty-three guys. They shot fifty-two percent out there. That's they were yeah definitely balling. That's unreal. And they were knocking down the mid-range. I mean, they were doing it. And, and again, like Porter mentioned, when you consider all these things kind of stacked against Arkansas, missing players, poor shooting at the free throw line, this is fantastic for them to, to well, pull out this win. And then they were well, nine. Well, we even brought up Kristen Williams, you know, coming home. I mean, the top-rated player Ar- ever come out of Arkansas, you yep. know. And she bought – she come out – I sent out the first game. It was Arkansas 8, Kristen Williams 6. I mean, she started out hot. So, I mean, they, they – she was balling. They were hitting threes, but they were they were open threes, you know. So they, yeah, but yeah, they were sixty four percent. UConn was at the free throw line, yeah. nine of fourteen. They got a little bit of help off their bench. They ended up rotating eight players total, but their leading scorer, oh my gosh, uh, I, her last name is I guess it's pronounced Beckers. Beckers, but it, yes, but it's it's spelled B U E C K E R S. But Beckers, twenty seven points. She had a couple of rebounds, two assists. Uh, she turned the ball over a couple times, but oh my gosh, I was impressed with her. She was knocking down everything in the fourth. Like she was not missing in the fourth quarter. I don't know how many points she ended up with in the fourth. I don't have that in front of me, but she was playing her heart out. And uh, you got to give it to UConn, man. They they came in here and they bounced back. I think at one point the deficit was like double digits, and they came back into it. And they, uh, I think, in the third they went on an eight zero run. No, it was I'm sorry, midway through the fourth they went on an eight zero run. And the ladybacks responded. So going down the going down the women or ladybacks here, going down their numbers, they shot fifty two percent from the floor, thirty three of sixty four, thirteen of twenty three. They also took twenty three attempts this year, fifty six percent from three point land. Not bad. And like you mentioned, they were pretty not so great at the free throw line, eleven of twenty there, fifty five percent. 
they ended up rotating eight players. Uh, and of course, Chelsea Dungey, like the MVP of the season, not just this game, but uh, she had 37 points, three steals, three assists, three rebounds, one turnover all night, one foul. She was incredible. Yeah, I mean, just and they, the rebounding overall, the offense, they were able to get offensive boards, defensive rebound. I mean, just how they were sharing the ball, driving to the basket. Destiny Slocum had a killer game, driving to the basket, getting some uh, much-needed basket. But I'll tell you what, the key of the game was actually Kristen Williams missed a free throw there at the tail end and, and gave Arkansas the ball with 15 seconds left. And, and after Arkansas shot the ball, UConn got the ball back. And, man, it's I don't know what was going on, if there was a time clock issue, but they – they waited till there was 0.3 seconds left on the clock. Call a timeout. Yeah, yeah, it was it it and good grief, the physicality of this game too. I mean, it's just it was a good basketball, is what it was. It was fun to watch and and uh, had an absolute blast watching it. Uh, they did. And you talked about rebounding. UConn ended up with 35. The Ladybacks with 29. Um, so not a, not a terrible night. Crashing the boards there, but they ended up with uh, 17 assists. UConn did as a team, and Arkansas with 10. It's like they did everything well enough to win the game for UConn, but Arkansas, of course, just fought their way back and forth into this game when they were trailing. They, they, they. I think I don't. I don't know what happened in the first half. Again, you'll have to remind me. But I think the the largest lead in the second half for UConn was just two points, and it wasn't yeah, for very long. Yeah, it was a hard-fought battle. I mean, it was a game of runs in the first quarter. I mean, they were down like three or four in the first quarter, down by two, I think, in half. So, I mean, it was a battle. It was that 12-0 run that started the, the third quarter that really put that cushion in. With a team like UConn, you, you can't have a four- or five-point lead. You've you got to push it out to 10 to 12 because they come down the floor and hit two quick threes. There's six points, and now it's a four-point lead to a two-point lead for them. So, yeah. and they did take the lead there by one going into the fourth and then Chelsea just took over. Yep. Yep. She, uh, Hey, they made a ESPN front page tonight. Yes, sir. That's pretty awesome. Good for her. That's awesome for the team. Mike neighbors. Congratulations to all of them. What a game. What a win. Again, that's their second top five victory of the year. First time in, in school history. They've got uh, Auburn coming up, Mizzou on the road, and then after that, they've got tough games. Auburn and Mizzou, I think, are winnable. But Mississippi State, who's number 21 in the country, they're going to play them on February 11th. And then on the 14th, they got to go on the road and take on uh, A&M. So that's, that's going to be that's a tough little stretch there. And then after that, Ole Miss, LSU, Auburn, and Alabama to close out to close out the year. This brings their record on the season, 12-6 and six overall, 2-5 and five in conference play. But, my gosh, the strength of schedule is just, I mean, unbearable. So it's, it's understandable why they're sitting at 2-5, and five, but I think they make a little bit of a comeback, and I'm, uh, I'm anxious to see how they finish out. Porter, again, you're, you keep up. You are our, our, our women's sports expert on the Hawk Talk podcast. You tell us. You tell the, the audience. You tell me. How do you see the rest of the season panning out? I know you don't. I know you're kind of you're driving on the highway, and I don't want to. I don't want you looking at your phone or anything. But you know, again, with Auburn, Mizzou, Mississippi State, A and M, Ole Miss, LSU on the road, Auburn on the road, and then closing it out with Alabama. How do you feel like they finish finish out the rest of the season? I feel like they they beat the teams that they're supposed to, which which that's been their mo this year. I hope that this win against UConn really propels them to beat the teams like A&M and, and if they got to play, I don't know who they play back-to-back or 
consecutively, but they, they got to beat the teams ahead of them in the SEC standings. You know, we, we talked yeah. about that in the men's. You know, you got to go 2-0 and in these weeks. So, I mean, yeah, you're going to take a couple of days to enjoy this win, which you should, but, you know, they got to bounce back against the Auburn game, you know, and, and keep the momentum going. But, you know, I can't give a prediction because we know how this year's played out. You know, they beat Baylor and then kind of went in a little funk. They've hit a wall. And mm-hmm. So it depends on what team shows up. And you're talking about the schedule earlier. Let, let's – I'm going to blow your mind for a second. Uh-oh. Other, other than Notre Dame, Arkansas has played every national championship this year since 2000. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that ought to tell you plenty right there just about how tough it is. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, it's crazy schedule. That is crazy. That's absolutely insane. So it, it sounds kind of reminiscent to college football, to the Razorbacks, you know, with their – with with how they you know they're always playing Bama or when Auburn won or Florida, that's that's just remarkable. Uh, the ladies they're balling out this year. They're balling out. I, I I you know again you're the expert here. I feel I'm like you. I think they should win based on what I have seen from them this year. And granted, I've not been in I've not been there in person. I've watched what I can and where I can. Uh, either when uh, Luke Never Shaves streams it on Twitch or wherever I can find them, I've I've watched them a little bit this year. They definitely they definitely look like a team that should that should make the tournament. And depending on the matchup, could could go pretty far. And it's pretty apparent again when you when you beat two top five teams. That's probably an obvious thing to say, but still, again, congrats to them. What a yeah. what a season they've had so far. All right, moving on to the second segment. It is Discord questions. So we we've got we've got a few, not a whole lot of questions, but a few. We'll try to answer them as quickly as we can, and we'll we'll start off with Kelly Marie. Shout out to her. She wants to know, and this is a good one. Uh, I'll let you take this one. So the ladies now beat uh, two top five non conference opponents. So just exactly how much more does the SEC mean? LOL. I'll tell you this, uh, they were already stacked, but you add Georgia and Tennessee to that mix because they were the teams that were kind of down last year. And I've mentioned this on a couple of shows I've, I've been on is you get two more teams that are ranked. I mean, it makes it even that much more harder. It's almost like saying, like you say, Arkansas football schedule. You know, you're going to play your Western schedule and then we're going to make you play South Carolina three times, you know, out of these. I mean, that's just how hard – this schedule is and I'm very proud of the SEC as a whole because you know you got Kentucky over there with the defending player of the year front runner to be the player of the year then you got Boston out of South Carolina and then Auburn's not too shabby you know Georgia's got bigs I mean all these teams that's got bigs are proven to give Arkansas problems so yeah this is the most stacked I've seen the SEC as a whole since the mid or late 90s early 2000s Next question, Jayhaws Junior Seventeen. I did read this one in advance, so uh, we we don't need a, a censor here. I don't need to. I, I got to give it to him. I think he's calmed down a lot. Like I think I think <laughs> he's got the filter. I, th- I think he's learned because the past few times you proofread, it's been. He, so I'm proud of him. Good too. Yeah, good going, Jayhaws. Yeah, we're loving it. Uh, seems like men men's basketball is finding their identity. And by the way, everyone, we will touch up on the men's here in just a little bit. Right after this segment. Uh, also, we have uh, on the on the final segment of this podcast, we're going to have Aaron Torres on. He's uh, college hoops football and a football writer for uh, Fox Sports Radio. 
you can uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. He will be on the next segment. So seems like men's basketball is finding their identity finally. How many of the remaining how many of the remaining games are winnable, and does this team make the tournament? Like I've said on on multiple PTN live shows, I've said it here. I think I said it here last week. I've cleaned the slate with my expectations just because of that awful slump, the poor play they had against Mizzou, obviously the LSU and Alabama games. You, It just depends, kind of like what you said about the women's, Porter. It just depends on what teams show up. It's kind of been that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing going on with them this year. I have no idea if they make the tournament at this point. I really don't know. Are they capable? Of course they are. They've got... They've got all the ingredients needed. They've got the talent. They've got the size. They've got the depth. They've got the athleticism. And, yeah, I'm still on the must bus. I think they've got the coaching caliber to get you there. But we've seen this team. There's like two different identities. There's a team that shows up against Mizzou that's just absolute, just not good basketball. They just don't put it together on the floor. Or then what you did on the road against Tennessee, you were good enough. You should have won that game against a ranked uh, top legit 20 uh, caliber team in the volunteers. Or you look at what you did at home with Georgia, where you just threw them around like they were rag dolls. Uh, They're capable of doing just about anything. They ought to be able to, I don't know about win out, but they should win the majority of their home games that are left. You got this game that we're going to kind of touch up on against Oklahoma state. Cade Cunningham in, in Oklahoma State, and and that's going to be an interesting game. That game could tell us quite a bit about what to expect the rest of the year. But then again, it may not. I I, I don't know, John. I'm sorry. I, I I feel like I have to say this sometimes to some of these questions in Discord. I just don't have the answer right now. And Kyle said it, I believe, last week. It just depends on what team shows up. Yeah, yeah. You, you nail. You know, it, it's just you can't put an expectation because we always know what's the, what's the saying hogs going to hog, you know, <laughs> you put the expectations on them, you know, Hey Lucy, put that football back down for Charlie Brown to kick. Nope. We're going to lose. You know, it, it's yeah. the same thing. And it's weird how you can say that about football, basketball. We've seen women's basketball, you know, they were supposed to be a top 10 team. They hit a wall and went on a funk and you know, they got, you have to treat the Oklahoma state game kind of like Arkansas treat the Yukon game tonight. You play your hardest, but this game, in the grand scheme of it, doesn't matter. You've got to win your SEC games. You've got to beat the teams in the SEC that are above you to improve your seed because you do not want that dreaded 8-9 game. Yeah, and after Oklahoma State, you do have – I mean, they do have winnable games. Mississippi State, A&M, Kentucky are all winnable. But then you got to turn around, play Mizzou on the road, come home and play Florida, Florida, uh, the Gators. Uh, and then after that, eventually you've got to go back on the road and take on – or no, you're at home, excuse me, against Alabama and you've still got LSU left. Who knows what happens with the rest of the season uh, with the men's team. Trip wants to know three game conference win streak baby. How do you think we'll play against Oklahoma State? Trip, I'm going to answer that in the in the final segment. Uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit. And then Devin H, uh, who has to step up for Arkansas to get the win? Again, we will answer that in the final segment. I do appreciate you guys and your Discord questions. You guys know we appreciate that. And uh, yeah, as always, shout out to everyone in Discord. If you want to come be a part of that, the link is provided in our Twitter bio. If you want to, if you want to join in on Twitter, we've grown to over I don't know, we've got like a couple hundred people in here. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Neat little community in there. A, yeah, it's grown since we started it, man. It, it's <laughs> awesome how everything's grown with the Hog Talk since two years ago, man. It, it, that you reflect on it just for a second, like where we've come from. Me, you, and Jacob doing Chuck Barrett and 
trying to get guests on to where we're at now, and our Discord's a big part of it. There, there are Royal Army. I tell you, when I when I you know put out a link in our Discord because that's kind of what I you know it's it's like it's nice to have another place to put your your live feed link. Like, hey, I'm about to go live. Here you go. Click the link. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, according to my YouTube analytics, like there's a lot of people in there that click on those links. Yeah. So it's nice to have another place to throw our content. And and look, for whatever reason, when you're not considered a part of the quote-unquote established media, forget the fact that we're partnered with ESPN and you know you can hear our voices on ESPN radio on their, on their commercials, never mind that. But for whatever reason, if you're not a part of the established media, if you try to post your content anywhere else, people will shame you, like on message boards or whatever. So it's nice to have a place that we call our own. You can just throw your content right there. And again, if you guys want to come be a part of it, come be a part of the kick-ass community that we have. Go check out the link in our Twitter bio. Uh, all right. Stepping on over to the men's side of things, Porter. I, I, good grief. I thought they played some of the best basketball that we've seen them play all year against a very feisty defensive Ole Miss team. Arkansas, of course, got the win 74 to 59. This would have been last night on the 27th. They, uh, that was, that was, that was, that was some really good basketball. If they play like this, Man, I think they're capable of going pretty far. Let me go down the stat sheet first, and then we'll kind of we'll break thing. We'll we'll talk a little bit more in depth about what we saw. Ole Miss leading scorer, nineteen points was Schuler. No surprise there. Joiner, Arkansas was able to kind of contain at eleven points. They rotated so many players. They have the depth. They just don't have the talent. And I don't think they really have the size to compete with someone like Arkansas. Not a whole lot of not a whole lot of production from their bench. Maybe outside of uh, Allen, who had a couple of rebounds and assists, a couple steals and two points. But they ended up rotating like 11 players. It was kind of crazy. But they ended up shooting 44% from the floor. They were knocking down the long twos like I have never seen before. I don't think – I think they shot like 80% at, with those those corner pocket long twos. I, I've not seen that before, at least not in a while. Um, they were knocking them down. But then outside, out in the perimeter – they were one of 16. One of 16. 6% shooting out in three-point range at the free throw line. They only took 12 shots. They were 8 of 12 there. Not very good. They ended up turning the ball over a total of nine times, which is good. I mean, that's good for them. They had six blocks. They had eight steals, nine assists. But, again, 59 is just not going to be enough to beat a team with the amount of weapons like the Razorbacks have. The men here, pretty good basketball from the bench once again. And it's it's JD Note and it's Devo Davis. Those are your those are your leading scores in this game. Devo, who's really coming along. If you watch that eight point run, or well, it wasn't an eight point run, but he had eight points in the first half. He ended up with fourteen. Not too far away from a double double. He had six rebounds. Uh, he did turn the ball over three times, but uh, you know that kind of comes with the territory when you're logging more and more minutes. He ended up with twenty five minutes. Uh, against Ole Miss, but J.D. Note once again comes off the bench, puts up good numbers, and only turned the ball over once. That's incredible. All this while Moody, pretty much silent Porter, he turned the ball over three times. He had a block, couple assists, but five total points. What did you think of how they played against a, a stingy, or, or or should I say a selfish defensive Ole Miss basketball team? I think they showed a lot of grit. They come out, come out hot, and just put the pedal to the metal. I mean, you when you got your bench players coming off playing like starters, we seen that last year with Desi Seals. 
play play like a starter off the bench. That's what's going to get you, you know. And I don't know what Coach Must finally said to Connor Vanover, but dude, <laughs> dude was actually hustling and getting some blocks and contesting plays. Didn't get dunked on, you know. So I mean, it seemed like this, it was too the battle of two stubbornnesses. It's like mm. Coach Must is is saying, "Hey guys, we need to do this," and I'm not going to back down my game plan. And you got the players that, man, I'm just not feeling it. Something finally broke, and they finally they were playing like a different team last night. From what I gathered on on defense and offense, you had Justin Smith, you know, but yeah, Devo Davis. I mean, he's playing kind of like Amber Ramirez for the women's team. I mean, he'll have a couple of down games, and then when he's hot, he's hot. So we really need a lot of that from the bench players to come off. Note Seals, and I mean, I'll tell you another one that's really kind of surprised me too, and that's Jalen Williams. Mm. The defensive pre- presence he's been to this team. I mean, he's he tried to shoot him a little three last night or the night before when we, you know, the game happened. But, you know, it's just he's really come in and been a shot blocker and been a – even if he doesn't do a lot, he does enough to where the offense has to respect him as a defender. Yeah, and I was asked last night in my postgame show who my favorite player was, and I said Jalen. I said Jalen Williams. I mean, he's even though he didn't do anything, he had he had, well, I say he didn't do anything. He had three rebounds and assists, and he had three fouls. He didn't have any points, didn't have any steals, didn't have any blocks. And like you said, Vanover, Vanover had a game: eight points, five blocks, seven rebounds, and an assist while only turning the ball over once. Thought he played far more aggressive under under the rim. Uh, also had a dunk. I think that's got to be like his at least like his second one all year. I mean, it's been incredible how that guy's missed easy uh, either putbacks or just any kind of dunk. Y'all, it shouldn't be that hard for someone seven foot three, but apparently it is. And Connor Connor kind of played with that chip on his shoulder against Ole Miss, and I loved it. But Jalen logged seven minutes, but he he is like you said, he's a presence in the paint. He's a wall. He takes the charge. He's so good at forcing that uh, forcing that call offensive foul. Like that's just. That's a part of his DNA. And and you and I used to brag, we used to talk about, you know, we need a Dennis Rodman. We need someone we need someone down below who's gonna get you the rebounds, who's gonna fight for the loose ball in the paint, you know, who's gonna who's gonna create you know, a wall down underneath the rim. And that's what Jalen William is 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 molding himself into. And he stretches the floor. He can knock down the three. I kinda noticed he's passing up open looks out on the perimeter. And I'm like, dude, you could take at least a couple. I mean, you we've seen you splash the threes. We've seen it happen. That's a part of your game, right? Like you're a you can be a threat and you could stretch the floor out when you can knock down those threes. Uh and granted, he's not super accurate out there. He's not he's not shooting high super high percentage, you know, on, on the amount of shots he's taken so far this year, but he has passed up some open looks. I think he took. Uh, he didn't. He didn't. I thought he took a three point shot. He didn't last night. I think he passed up two or three last night. So I, I would like to see him open that up again. If you've got an open look, man, take it. I understand sometimes you don't want to go into the JD Note way of doing things, where you're just driving the ball and forget everybody else and just throwing it up and hoping it's hoping you score. You know, not really moving the ball around. But he does. Jalen does. He doesn't get into that habit of of taking unnecessary shots or having a poor shot selection. It's okay to take a couple attempts. Um, something else I noticed about the game, and the I, I and I went on a little tangent about this last night, not what was happening on the court, but tell me, have you noticed that the SEC, it, look, I get it, it's a hard job. I'm not trying to hate on these guys, but the play-by-play from the SEC network, it's just not been very good. 
They focused on Sharif Cooper. They focused on other teams. They weren't really focused on what was happening on the floor, and you know. And I realize they're not there on location. They're actually, I guess, they're at home doing these games, and that's got to be difficult. There's probably some lag and a little bit of a delay they're dealing with. I'm sure that makes their job really hard. But I don't understand why we had to sit there and listen to like. It seemed like half the game was about Sharif Cooper and what he was doing at Auburn. Let's not forget, Arkansas beat Sharif Cooper. They're 2-0 against Auburn, 1-0 against Sharif Cooper. You've got to, Yeah, he's a first-round draft pick. He looks like he's going to be that way. Arkansas has a first-round draft pick in Moses Moody. Arkansas's 13-4. They're 5-4 in conference. Why aren't we talking about the team on the floor? Why aren't we talking about Ole Miss, who's a, an elite top 15, top 20 defensive basketball team in, ter- in terms of production? Why aren't we talking about the game on the damn floor? Why have we noticed this? It's a bit of a trend with the SEC Network. They don't want to talk about what's going on in front of them, at least from the Arkansas games that I've seen. They want to talk about Sharif Cooper. I'm I'm about to slap somebody every time I hear that name. I get it. He's a great player. Have you noticed that, or am I just crazy? Am I just do I just need to shut up? No, it's laziness because you, you you said you made a great point. They're at home. You're not traveling. You're not going to these stadiums. Like you have all the assets right there in front of you on your computer at home. Research your SEC guys. Now I don't know if if this being on the SEC network and there's more games being shown that they're just they're having to scramble for people to uh, to broadcast these games. I, I don't know, but you, you're representing ESPN and you're representing the S, the SEC network. Do your job. Do some research on the game at hand. You know, if if you know you know, say Wednesday, you've got the Saturday game for Arkansas and LSU. Just say throwing two teams out there. You should have your stats because if they were in the court, if they were in a live broadcast, you, all the innuendos and the the color commentary, they're on point. So I don't know what's lacked this year. If they just gotten lazy because hey, I'm getting to be in my my, my PJs all day and do a little Zoom meetings. But yeah, I've <laughs> noticed it. You know. And especially a certain one. I mean, I'm not going to call him out, but he was a former coach at Arkansas. Oh boy, team. But <laughs> I mean, dude, come out. He he was more concerned about looking like Conor McGregor, and he ended up looking like Skip Bayless doing a Dallas Cowboys dance. You know what I'm saying? Like, worry about calling your game. And he's a hater. All he does is hate on Arkansas. Yeah, you're sitting there talking about Sharif Cooper, and, and I think a lot of it is, and this is where I think a lot of the media. You're trying to pump up these kids and push these kids for these postseason awards. Yeah. And you, you see, look at look at the Heisman Trophy this year, and, and you talk about the first year they were talking about Costello, then it went to Mac Jones, then it went to Kyle Trask, and then it goes to Mac Jones. And then at the very end, there was a hard push for Devontae Smith, but and he deserved it. But you notice right. everything's around this social media push and the media – Pushing. And I think that's what it is. I think oh, they have an agenda. Hey, let's push this guy. Let's push this star player. Because other than Sharif Cooper and Moses Moody, who is the other star standout player when you talk about SEC basketball? So they're trying to push their guys what it is. It, it, you're on to something there. I think you're absolutely right. It, and I don't know that they have anybody else. I don't know that, and, and and maybe that's what it is. Maybe we just don't have a diversity of names in the SEC, so they just got to focus on Sharif Cooper. I don't know. I, I got I got so tired of hearing that guy's name. No one holds a candle, apparently, to President El Presidente Sharif Cooper. Oh. I, 
it's just gotten ridiculous with this kid. And, and I thought we got done with Dick Vitale. I mean, he the way he gets on people's stuff. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, you get on this kid, and it, I mean, it's almost like watching a promo for a show on MTV that happens a month later. Like, okay, I've seen it twenty million times. Get over it, you know. And that's <laughs> how many times they said the dude's name, and I'm like, all right. I'm annoyed. I don't even like the dude now. He could average 40 points a game. Y'all talked about him all night long, so I ain't even vote for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm over it. We're done. Yep. So I'm scrolling down here. I found a, 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 a website that has all the top. This is uh, NBCSports.com. There are several, and I, I keep forgetting. you still got you know Brandon Boston over at Kentucky. I don't know why that kid's – I guess because Kentucky's so irrelevant this year, you don't think about it. Jaden Springer at Tennessee. I don't mind if you're going to bring up these different players, I guess, from time to time. Like, if you want to talk about what you have as a conference, okay, that's fine. Let's just not make it an entire half. That's the point we're trying to make here. And it was, well, no, it was like 75% of the damn game. It was about one player that wasn't even on the on the court in front of them. So, or at least on their screens, on their monitors. But Arkansas deserves a little respect right now. I think I think they deserve some respect. At least enough to where you could call the call the game that's happening in front of your eyeballs. I don't know, but yeah, I uh, going back to the game for a little bit. Arkansas, and we'll we'll uh, we have another thing we want to say after this, but focusing on Oklahoma, Oklahoma State really quick. Three p.m. Believe it or not, this has shifted a little bit, but according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index, Arkansas is favored to win this game fifty nine percent. To Oklahoma State's forty-one percent. I think it was more. I think it was like sixty percent, sixty-two percent, just a couple of days ago, and now it's up to, to or it's come down to fifty-nine. I'm sure that has something to do with uh, Cunningham, who's probably the number one pick in this draft. Yeah, we know that there was some uh, Oklahoma State got busted cheating and all that stuff. They've got a couple players, I think, on that roster, including Cunningham. Their recruitment was questionable. I know they hired his brother. I think he actually is on the staff there at Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State ten and four on the year, four and three at home. Going back to those Discord questions, someone asked uh, who has to step up for Arkansas to win. Going back to Devin's question, I, I I don't know. It can't be just one player. I'll say that right now. You're gonna need everybody. You're gonna need everyone to contribute. If this game, if we get Dr. Jekyll more than Mr. Hyde or, or whatever, whoever I guess you think would was better suited to win a basketball game, if you get Dr. Jekyll, let's just say he's your winner, if he shows up, he showed up against Tennessee on the road, right? He showed up against Georgia. He showed up against Ole Miss. If that team that played against Ole Miss plays against Oklahoma State, yeah, they're capable of beating Oklahoma State even, even with Cunningham. But – even without Cunningham, here's what's crazy. They're good enough that Oklahoma State could run you out of the building if the bad Arkansas shows up. You know, So they're going to need everyone to step up. I, if, obviously, you want to look at Moody or maybe Justin Smith. You're going to need someone down low. Oklahoma State isn't exactly huge, but they do have some size they could rotate underneath with. Uh, they're, I, I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot of 1-3-1. One, I don't know if anybody was aware, but apparently we had to hear that about 500 times in the in the in the Ole Miss game. Them running the one three one. Oh God, let's make a big deal out of it. I get it. We don't see it very often. I got tired of hearing of that too. I'm just gonna gripe about that entire game, Porter. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> but Oklahoma State is gonna be a tough team at home. These guys, uh, 
tough Holy, environment too. It is a tough environment. You're exactly right. They barely lost to Texas on the road, who's top ten in the country at the time, seventy seven to seventy four. They beat Texas Tech, top fifteen ranked Texas Tech, eighty two to seventy seven. They lost a close one at home to West Virginia, and like you said, it is a tough environment. They're four and four in conference play, ten and four overall. Uh, someone else had a question about this game. It was Trip who wants to know three game conference win streak. How do you think we'll play against Oklahoma State? Yeah, so again, sorry, I need to read that again to reiterate. But uh, t- again, I think I think it just depends on who shows up. If it's good Arkansas, yeah, they're capable of winning this game. If it's bad Arkansas, they're capable of getting blown out, even if Oklahoma State doesn't have Cade Cunningham playing. How do you feel? I mean, are you kind of in the same boat? A good Arkansas shows up, they're likely to win? Or do you think Oklahoma State's just should be favored to win this thing? Or what do you think? I think I think their bench, like you know, Devontae, you know, Devo come up. You know, you gotta get your bench play. I think if say like Moses is having a bad game and your bench produces, it just sparks everybody else. Mm-hmm. You you need a big game off your bench, whether it's Devo, whether it's I mean Connor, if he has another game like he did, and just that presence of of being a true seven three guy out there on the court gets yeah. you five eight points. And I mean, you gotta think five blocks. That's five extra possessions that you get. You know, Jalen Williams, if he can come in there. You know, you, this is a team that if your role players play their role, they're a, a hard team to beat because you know Moody's going to get his when he's playing. But he needs to step up too. But I, I would have to say, you know, with, with Devo Davis, he seems that when he steps up and he gets you 10, 11, or 15 points, he, he steps up and plays good off the bench, that boosts everybody around him. So that's going to be my key is the bench play. And, of course, Connor Vanover having a, a back-to-back game like he did. And I think he needed that for his confidence. You know he, he looked at these guys, they look at social media and, and everything. For him mm. to have that presence and that, that spark, I mean, it's weird how we can compare the men's to the women's team and, and the players. You know, he really needed a game like that to boost his confidence. And, and we'll go from there. But, yeah, I think Devo and, and Connor Vanover stepping up and having a good bench play or not Connor because he's starting, but – I think that's desperately needed. Yeah, I I agree, and I think too. You know, I'd like to see them. I'd like to see their turnovers be in single digits. I know that's going to be tough to do in that environment. Uh, I don't I don't know what their what their percentage of their uh, of how many people can come into the stadium. It's probably similar to Arkansas's, but Arkansas riding a three game win streak again. You beat Auburn. You went on the road. You smashed Vanderbilt. Listen, Vanderbilt was missing pieces. I expected them to do that, and they did exactly that. And then they played. Just a tough, good physical game against Ole Miss. Found a way to to pull away a, on a pretty good win against a stingy Ole Miss defense, winning that one seventy four to fifty nine. If if I if if you're asking me to pick, and I, I don't generally do this, but I'm going to, I don't like Arkansas's odds in this game. If I if if I'm a betting man or whatever you want to say, you want to put a gun to my head, whatever, I probably wouldn't take Arkansas in this one, but I do expect it to be a hard-fought game. Hopefully good Arkansas shows up and they prove me wrong. But again, this game is at 3 p.m. as of right now on uh, 8.44 p.m. on Thursday night on the 28th. It's at ESPN2. We know the games have been moved around. I'm pretty sure this one will stick with ESPN2. But uh, that's your next game, Oklahoma State. Again, that's going to be a tough one. But then Mississippi State, A&M, at Kentucky, those are all three what do they say on on Ruskin and Zach? Gettable, gettable. That- yeah, yeah. We got to break that. Yeah, we're, we we got to break out gettable, and I will make sure that he knows <laughs> that we gave Zach Arns the gettable shout out. They're gettable. Those are all three gettable games. So hopefully, 
hopefully, you know what, they do exactly. They win, kind of like what you said with the women. They win the games they're supposed to win. I don't mind losing Oklahoma State. I, don't, I really don't mind it. Yeah, it'd be a great quad one, whatever win. You know, we talk about these quads or whatever. But at the end of the day, you need to win those conference games, get into the SEC tournament, get some wins there, and, and uh, you should be tournament bound. We'll see. I'm asked that all the time. Do you still think they're tournament bound? I, I, I think so, but, it, you know, again, it just depends on who the hell shows up. So Well, and this might be a tournament where they let everybody in or they let a lot of teams in that normally on a, on a regular year wouldn't get in. And, and just a quick note about the Oklahoma State game. Look, it doesn't matter if they got 1,000 or 4,000. That arena, those the fans are on top of you. Yeah, and they have those paddles, so I mean they can make a thousand people sound like there's ten. So that's gonna be it's gonna be a tough environment for them to not only fan base wise, but just how the court sits where they're right there on you. It is. It's a. I have a friend of mine that's a diehard Big Twelve basketball fan, and he talks about all the time how tough it is to go inside. He's a, of course a KU fan. But he talks about how tough it is to go inside that place and get a win, and they're just they're always a they're always a good like a solid basketball team. They're not like great next level, but you know they bring it. The capacity in that place is thirteen thousand six hundred and eleven, there in Stillwell. So obviously they can't get to that. But like Porter says, it doesn't really matter. It's going to be tough because the fans are right on top of you, screaming down your throat. Before we move on to Kyle and uh, in, in the interview with Aaron Torres, Porter, you and I had talked about a certain podcast we've been listening to. Ty Richardson's new uh, new new podcast. Let's talk about that for just a second. I, I, you and I, I've listened to the first episode. He talks with Richard Davenport. It's not what you'd expect. It's not just about sports. It's about kind of life in general, and and I think he wants to dive into you know other things besides sports. But it's honestly, I listened to it, and man, it was really good. I really liked it. Trusting the process. Yes. And if you want to talk about it for just a second. Yeah, Ty wants to, you know, start going out and, and interviewing media. You know, he's had Richard Davenport, which that was, to me, one of the hardest ones to listen to, not in a bad way at all, just just on a personal level. I think me and you can both relate to that. To that. Yeah. Um, then he had Sully, and, and um, it's just a really good podcast. You really get to know the stories behind the 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 legends of Arkansas media like Sully. I mean, he. I looked up. I've watched Sully ever since I was a little kid. I mean, hell, I was in fourth grade and we played catch together on at Arden Drive Elementary there on Little Rock Air Force Base. So it's really cool in depth. It's also you know part of the Hit That Line podcast network, mm-hmm. which you can hear ours on. So tr- it's trusting the process, and he's got some good guests lined up. And another one, uh, our our boy Kyle. That's another podcast, the Gridiron Icons. You know, we had Campbell, the the general. You know, he's got other people. So there's two really good podcasts that when I see there's an episode coming out, and this is not just to plug them because they're on our network or our friends. I mean, I'm really looking forward to listening to – I'm a historian when it comes to sports. So just hearing these people's background, and you get a different mindset of what you hear on their interviews on a week-to-week basis on the radio the morning rush. So I, I really strongly suggest you go listen to Trust the Process and Gridiron Icons, man. It's two really good podcasts. Yeah, I haven't had a chance. So I had I had a little break today, and I was like, okay, I'm curious about this Ty Richardson podcast really quick. Uh, and I had just enough time to play it in the background while I was going over my kids' home, my kids' uh, virtual learning stuff, some of their assignments. 
And I, like, I'm not gonna lie, man. That first episode, like you and I said, we can both relate to kind of what him and Rich, Richard Davenport were talking about. Teared up, man. I had to like step mm-hmm. back from my desk for a minute. Like, wow, okay, I wasn't expecting that. It's like right out yeah. the gate, man. It was. It's powerful stuff. It's it's good stuff. I, I am I, I was under I, you know again. I've only listened to one episode. I like the idea of kind of going behind the microphone, getting to know the person behind the microphone, getting a different point of view. And me as a content creator, I've been doing YouTube, good God, since 2015, and I think it's so neat to listen to other to other podcast and and for them to kind of go behind the microphone a little bit or or behind the camera and kind of talk about how they got there and some of their life experiences it's really neat so absolutely huge shout out to ty uh and and of course richard davenport too who i listened to and he's had like you mentioned solely who i have to confess i didn't obviously being a northwest arkansas kid didn't really get much exposure to him but uh, i think he has danny west on and I, i don't know who he has up next but just Go go subscribe to their to the podcast over there. Hit that line, and it's on their uh, it's on the network. It's it's on their podcast lineup. As are we. So yeah, shout out to him. And of course, Kyle. I promise, Kyle. I'm going to listen to your podcast. I will listen. <laughs> I promise. Oh, it's a good one, dude. I'm telling you, it's, it's awesome. I lo- I hope and listen, man. I I haven't had a chance. I want to tell you guys, Farmington High School in the 1970s was an elite high school uh, during those times. I'll talk to you guys off, you know, in our group chat, but I, I you know, my dad played for him back in the seventies. They won uh, state title. Yeah. We're gonna have to talk about that. Maybe we can get, yeah. eventually get Farmington on his show. That'd be really cool. But okay. Next segment, stick around. Aaron Torres coming up next. Woo pig. With American national, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode number 161 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Now joining me on the Workman's Travel Center hotline is Aaron Torres of Fox Sports and the host of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, my guy AT. Always love having you on the show. Look forward to talking with you. Well, Kyle, you know I love coming on, man. You know I love coming on, and, uh, you know, we always have a good time. I am having my Tito soda, which I know is your your drink of preference as well. <laughs> so, you know, we're chilling. We're just living our best lives by the way, we're recording right after this UConn-Arkansas women's game. Congrats to your Lady Hogs. Uh, I'd be lying. I was running errands all day, so I didn't really see the game. 
But, you know, congrats to the Lady Hogs. Yeah, you and I have some connections to that. Of course, you being a UConn alum, Kristen Williams that plays for UConn, went to the same high school I did. She's a lot younger than I did, about 10 years difference there. But, yeah, nonetheless, yeah, really. Old, yeah, yeah, no, yeah I know, I know. I, I think you've got a couple years on me, but, I mean, I, I yep. definitely have not aged as well as you have. So, whoa, but, uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, I don't know about that. <laughs> But, yeah, nonetheless, man, I think as far as I know, at least in my lifetime, I know that we went to the 1998 Final Four uh, under Gary Blair, but I don't know that we've had a win quite to this caliber. So, big shout-out to the Lady Backs, which we'll cover that more. Uh, I know that uh, Ty and and um, Porter will be covering that uh, on the other segment, uh, which will actually be previous to this one. Uh, as we're recording at different times. But we'll get right into it, man. Uh, AT, one of the first things I was going to ask you, so I talked about this on Monday's show, and uh, about a, we, I guess we had talked a week before the season started sometime in mid-November, the last time we had you on. And if I would have told you then that Bama was going to be the top team in the SEC right as we were about to get into February, would, would you say I was reaching pretty far? I know you've been a guy that's – I'll credit you – You've always given Nate Oates credit. I've always seen you be very high on Alabama, but did you see them as the number one team? No, I really didn't. Um, you know, if you had told me that – now, if you had told me in the preseason, um, I wouldn't have said it was preposterous. They weren't my pick. I mean, bl- bluntly, I had, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee in some order, one, two. Um, but, you know, the talent – was always there. The issue with Alabama was, were they going to commit on the defensive end? And for the people that are saying, I had no idea, I couldn't have seen this Alabama thing coming. Let's take it a step further. They were five and three uh, entering SEC play, maybe six and three, I forget. But at one point they were five and three this season, had lost to, um, you know, had lost to uh, Western Kentucky right towards the end of regular of the out of conference play. So there was no real reason to see this run coming. And to their credit, what they did uh, behind the scenes is something that I don't even know if it, it, what's become public and what hasn't. But John Petty, their star senior, um, you know, uh, uh, James Rojas, another older player that's been in the program for a few years, they were suspended prior to that final uh, out of conference game against East Tennessee. And whatever happened in that locker room, whatever happened that that required them to be uh, suspended, it, it worked out. You know, it just worked out. And so I don't have all the details on why they made those decisions, but they did make the decisions. And obviously they haven't missed a beat since. You know, I've dropped this nugget a few times now, Kyle, but they were picked to finish fifth in the preseason in the SEC. They have now beaten the teams that were picked to finish first, second, third, fourth, sixth, and seventh. And really they beat the team that was picked to finish second twice, which was Kentucky. So you're talking about what's crazy about Alabama. They now have a three game lead on the rest of the sec. And beyond that, um, they, they actually have already gotten through the tough part of their schedule. And they have on the back end, uh, some of the teams that look like some of the bottom feeders in this league, uh, Georgia, Vandy, South Carolina, Texas A&M, et cetera. So I said it the other day, Alabama fans, they're conditioned not to buy into the rat poison, thanks to Nick Saban. They're going to be your SEC champs. I mean, it, it, barring something catastrophic, they are going to win the SEC this year. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think they've definitely separated themselves. And then it's really after that, you've got about maybe five, six teams that you just toss up. LSU and Missouri have looked good at times. Mizzou, I believe, has five quad quad one wins. Tennessee, they've struggled with scoring. They were projected by many to be the top team in the conference. And then Arkansas, they've, beat, they've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat, but got blown out yep. by the top-tier squads. Who would you put at two and three just right now, again, as we're heading into February right behind? Bama's in a class by themselves but maybe the two teams right under them. It's really hard to say, Kyle. It is, man. And and I think you hit on all the key bullet points. You know, I'll say Florida is playing a little bit better of late, but again, they're beating up on the teams they're supposed to. If you're an NCAA tournament team, you're supposed to beat Georgia. You're supposed to beat Vanderbilt. And they did that to their credit. Um, I don't think you can name a second team right now. I mean, LSU might be the most talented team in the conference. They just got run out of the building at Rupp Arena and we know what's going on with Kentucky. You hit the nail on the head about Tennessee. They, they're they really struggling to score the ball. Now, their star freshman, Jaden Springer, has been out for a few games. He came back against Mississippi State. Maybe they start to get back on track with him in the lineup. But I, I don't know that there's a clear-cut second team. You know, I'll say this. Uh, I know the Arkansas fan base we're recording here on Thursday is really divided. A lot of people are happy with the three-game winning streak. A lot of people are saying, well, we haven't really beaten anybody yet. Um, maybe Arkansas is in that conversation. I'm not ready to say they're the second or third best team, but Tennessee has flaws. And oh, by the way, we both watched that Arkansas-Tennessee game. Arkansas, I thought, was largely the better team. They just turned the ball over too much and had a, had control of that game for most of the game before giving it away late. So, you know, I don't know that you can say who the second or third best team is. I'll say this too. I know everyone's poured dirt on their graves. I don't think Kentucky's that far from turning around. Now, the second-best team, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. But they should have probably beaten Bama two nights ago in Alabama. So that's a team that obviously Arkansas has to play. Auburn plays uh, again. Tennessee plays twice. They're going to be a thorn in people's sides going forward. So I I know I'm rambling, and I'm rambling to disguise the fact that there's no good answer to your question. I do not know who the second and even third best team in the SEC is right now. Well, and you touched on that there's some people, which every fan base has this. I see it all the time just because of how heavily I follow the Razorback fan base. But the three, the whole, or one of the whole deals is the three game uh, win streak. And some people just kind of look at that from a glass half full, glass uh, half empty perspective. But the other one that I wanted to bring up was we've, you and I have talked about before of how Coach Muss uses the transfer portal. Now, that's been a polarizing opinion with the fan base from the time that he got hired, even when it was starting to get rumored he was going to be hired. And the three from this year that we got, Justin Smith, Jalen Tate, Vance Jackson, you and I discussed them this summer. Vance, he had back-to-back great games against Georgia and Tennessee. Hasn't done a lot since then, but the team just looks a whole lot different in a positive way with Justin Smith being on the floor, as we unfortunately Mm -hmm. experienced with him being out those few games. And Jalen Tate, you know, he's real pretty good at sharing the ball. I believe he's fourth in the SEC in assist. He's been tasked with guarding the opponent's best guard just about every game. I guess you could say every game this season. What would you say thus far about these additions that Coach Musk brought on, for, at least from the grad transfer standpoint? Uh, I, I think it's been a net positive. I do. And, you know, as, as we come out of this uh, Ole Miss game on Wednesday night, I mean, right now it's hard not to say – what is the record? Are things different if Justin Smith is healthy for those four games? Maybe the answer is no. Maybe the answer is they lose. What 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 do they go with without Justin Smith, Kyle? Just out of curiosity, I know it wasn't good, but I know they lost LSU, Missouri, and Tennessee without him. Was there a win in there somewhere, or did they go zero and three? 
Georgia was right. I think they had him for yes, Georgia. Yes, you're right. Yeah, they, I think they had him for Georgia. That's the only one. He came back against – he came back against Alabama, LSU. Right? I, I want to say it was LSU. Sometime around that range, but I believe they did have him for Georgia. Gotcha. And, and so to answer your question – Look, Justin Smith is the X factor, and it shouldn't be surprising. He was the one guy that transferred from a high major level. Now, as you and I have talked about, Vance played at UConn. Uh, big UConn episode of the Hog Talk podcast today. Uh, but, you know, you know, Vance, is, Vance was a high major player coming out of high school. Um, you know, it hasn't worked out quite as, as expected. But I only bring it up to say that it probably shouldn't be surprising that, um, that Justin Smith has been the best player out of the three of them. Uh, I think it's been a net positive. And I think the, the one thing I'll say about Coach Moss, and this isn't, oh, I'm, I'm always being nice to Coach Moss and saying nice things. He was ahead of the game on this stuff, man. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago that the schools that recruited transfers were, uh, you know, every transfer is a screw up. They have problems. They're the reason that they left. And now I think you look across college basketball, everybody realizes the value that these guys have. I mean, you know, Kentucky has three transfers in their rotation, Olivier Saar, Jacob Toppin, and Davion Mintz. Um, North Carolina has used the transfer portal. Um, you know, you go on and on and on down the list, Arizona, essentially like three of their four best players are transfers this year. So it's the new world that we live in. Um, and, and I don't think coach Musk is going to stop. Now I do think you have to develop some players within the program. I don't think that you can get away with, um, you know, br- uh, you know, having a new roster every year. We're seeing that problem with Kentucky, but then on the flip side, um, with, with that whole situation, um, is, you know, you look at, I, I don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is you have to develop players within the program, but I think everybody understands the grad transfer situation and the transfer portal is going to be a part of recruiting going forward. Um, you know, I, I think so far those guys have been good. They've been about what you expect. And let's be honest, if a guy's a fourth, fifth year college basketball player, there's a reason that that's the case. So I think it's important to note that you're probably not going to find a superstar first team All-American in the transfer portal. If that guy was that good, he'd be playing NBA basketball or professional basketball. But you can find really good players. Justin Smith is a great example. You go on and on down the list across the country, Mac McClung, et cetera. We got a Memphis game on in the background. They got two starters in their starting lineup from the portal. So, you know, I, I think it's just, it's going to be it's going to be a place that just about every program recruits maybe coach must does it more than most but that isn't changing anytime soon in college sports by the way I, you were right it was alabama so we beat georgia without justin he came back against alabama and that that thrashing i i had to look that up to make sure i know but, my hogs baby i know my hogs <laughs> you do you do better than me and speaking of one of those freshmen, uh, the, the best one, at least in terms of talent so far, Devo Davis and Jalen Williams have really stepped up too, but Moses Moody's just been on a different level. Uh, the last three games, he's gone for 25-plus, or at least the last three Saturday games. And I personally think that he's going to go off for at least 30. I, I think that it's going to be Cade Cunningham and him playing. Now, I was going to get your opinion on if you think Cade Cunningham is going to play, but uh, you know, as, many, as everybody knows, they play our Oklahoma State – Saturday in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But I do believe that projected number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, Moses Moody's former teammate, will play this Saturday. And I think they're going to go head-to-head, and I do see Moses Moody possibly scoring over 30 points. Do you see Cade Cunningham playing? 
you know, I, I was reading up on it this afternoon. Again, we're recording here Thursday night. I don't know when it's going to run, but, you know, it, it sounds like Mike Boynton is working them back. It sounds like, I don't know if you're even allowed to say this, but it sounds like Cape Cunningham tested positive for COVID and really was one of the guys that really was sidelined by it. Um, it sounds like they want to play him. And it sounds like, it sounds like the doctors are willing to clear him. It's just a matter of how much and how much he can play. Um, but to your point, Moses Moody has been awesome. And it's funny how these narratives work, right? Because, you know, Moses Moody, and this is no disrespect to Arkansas. And I hope Arkansas fans don't take it this way, but you know, if Moses Moody was playing at Kentucky doing the things that he's doing, he would lead sports center every single night. Um, but I've been so impressed by him. And I think I'll say this, I think what he is doing is important for the future of Arkansas basketball under Eric Musselman, because as you and I both know, as we just kind of alluded to with the transfers, there's kind of this belief that that freshmen don't have a place in Eric Musselman's system. And so I think whether it is Moses Moody being a 16, 17 point a night scorer, or whether it is Devo Davis and, and Jalen Williams really finding solid roles off of the bench. I think it's important to have these guys not only in the program, but succeeding going forward because that tells the class of 2021, 2022. And I know, you know, this, I, I don't follow recruiting as closely as I used to, but I'm told the 2022 class is really strong. It's important for those, those high school kids to see what Moses Moody is doing and see you can come to Arkansas, be featured, have success right away. Um, so I've been impressed by Moses Moody. I'll tell you, I've been impressed by Devo Davis and Jalen Williams as well. They found their roles. They found their spots. They come in, they play really hard. I really like what I've seen from those two young guys. Well, AT, it's always fun talking with you, man. Really appreciate you hopping on. I know that you, especially during basketball season, it is extremely crazy for you. But can I catch us up right now? I know that sometimes you have Coach Muss on your pod. You've promoted the Razorbacks a lot. Can I talk about what you got going over there at the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast? Well, today was a pretty big day. Um, today I had an all-timer. Um, <laughs> I had Marshawn Lynch on the show today. Oh, and, uh, that, I, that's yeah, it. I bet he's the hardest. I thought that high school kids were tough to interview. I can't imagine what he's like. It was amazing. He was the exact opposite. Um, and I went in with the, I'm just here. So I don't get fined mindset coming in of, I have to have, you know, I'll tell you, and this is going to be a weird name drop one time on radio. I actually interviewed Bill Belichick. And it was a crazy deal. It was a fill-in radio show on Fox Sports Radio. But my co-host knew Bill Belichick dating back to his Cleveland Browns days. And so he booked Bill Belichick. It was an incredible interview. But when you're interviewing Bill Belichick, you just have to be prepared for if you ask the wrong question, you're literally going to get a one-word answer. And so I kind of had that in the back of my mind as I prepped for the Marshawn Lynch interview of, you know, I'm just here so I won't get fined. But, you know, honestly, Kyle, I'll tell you, he was he was there. He was he did the interview as part of a campaign he's doing with Subway. And it's a really good cause. And it's frankly a cause that I think is near and dear to both of our hearts, which is um, him and Subway are working together to kind of raise awareness for some of these high school football players that didn't have a senior year. And so, you know, you can go listen to the interview for all of their, you know, for all the details, but essentially they want you to, to submit videos of your, your friends or your family or your son or your brother that maybe didn't have a senior year in high school football so that, you know, Subway and Marshawn Lynch can help get them some exposure. And so it was a topic that was near and dear to him. 
And he was a great interview. I mean, we talked about that campaign. You know, frankly, he said something that I thought was interesting, which he talked about how important his senior year of high school football was. The fact that he thought that he might not have been a Pac-10, now Pac-12 player if he hadn't played a senior year of high school football. Um, you know, we talked about other fun stuff too. Beast, Mo- you know, Beast Quake uh, game, which was the game where he re- he had that. 90-yard touchdown run against the Saints. We talked about some other stuff, but he was the exact opposite. He was engaging. He was personable. He was friendly, um, and it was just such a pleasure to speak with him, and so I encourage people to go listen to it. It was an all-timer. You know, I was telling another buddy today is, is Cal, you know, you and I have been doing this long enough where, you know, we kind of get immune to, oh, I'm interviewing this guy or that girl, and, and not to say it's not a big deal, not to say we're not grateful for what we have the opportunity to do, but, you know, we also kind of, you know, we're, we're beyond the point of pinching ourselves where, oh, my God, I'm interviewing this person. But as I was uploading the file this morning and I, I literally was typing in, you know, because we have to type in the, the preview of the show and I was typing in, you know, Marshawn Lynch joins the show. That was kind of one of those pinch me moments of, you know, I've done some cool interviews, but this was among the best ones. And it was the exact opposite. It wasn't the, I'm just here so I won't get fined guy. He was awesome. He was engaging. Uh, it was above and beyond what I was expecting. And uh, it was just a, an absolute pleasure to do. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that a lot of people did get too caught up in being quiet and being standoffish and all that stuff. But they don't think about the things in which there were some headlines during his playing career where he would be uh, on mission trip type things, helping out the community, whether it be in Los Angeles and I believe actually in other countries too. But you don't see that kind of stuff in the mainstream media. It's always, uh, again, him being quiet or uh, being standoffish to the media and, and stuff like that. But with me covering high school sports you know I cover high school football high school basketball in Arkansas and one of the things AT in in August July when I was interviewing some football players for their high school season when we really didn't know what was going on if they were going to have a season the one consistent thing that I heard just about from everybody is I got to play because all I have right now are D2 offers I want to be D1 or some of them were saying I just need to get an offer in general that's what that's what I'm or otherwise and I've literally heard kids tell me that uh, I, I will not be going to college more than likely if I don't get this. So it is extremely important. Kyle, it, so It is, Kyle, man, it's so important. I actually saw a basketball coach tweet this not long ago. It was a, a small, you know, JUCO, you know, D2 coach, but they basically said, you know, hey, high school student athletes, you know, if you have an offer, take it. Don't sit around and wait for the better offer because it's not coming. And especially, and you and I just talked about it a minute ago, but in this transfer portal world that we live in, it's so easy for a college coach this offseason. They got one scholarship to fill. I'm just going to go figure out who the best player in the portal is because uh, I can get game film on him. I know what he can do at this level. And, and that really resonated with me. And it resonated with me when I was talking to Marshawn yesterday. And I, I love how I'm calling him Marshawn as if we're best friends. But, you know, I, when I was talking to him yesterday is – I and I'm being serious. I, I can't imagine, and I, and I don't know what it was like in Arkansas. And I, I think you guys had a normal, pseudo normal high school football season. I can't imagine that being taken away from you. And I was talking to a buddy today in College Station, obviously Texas A and M, and we were talking about the fact that you know the NCA. We, you and I, and what we do, we spend so much time talking about college sports that you know the NCA gave everybody a blanket one year waiver. 
you know, they don't do that in high school. You know, uh, uh, Bentonville High School is it can't just give a kid a fifth year. It's like you graduate from high school, you got to go. You, you got to get out of here. You don't just hang around high school for a fifth year like you can in college or in some cases a sixth year. And so it just really resonated with me, the number of kids and what you just said, how many lives were changed by not playing high school sports this year. Um, I know it's nothing we can do in hindsight now. It's 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 February, January, late January, February. There's nothing we can do to change what happened in the fall. But man, I hope things get back to normal because I, I and I think about the the recruitments of the junior class. I mean, you know, think about the the junior class that you know if the NCAA rules don't change, say for uh, the spring, those junior uh, recruits aren't going to be able to do the camp circuit in the summer, AAU basketball in the summer. Um, how are they going to be seen? How are even the kids that are lucky enough to play, forget the kids that can't play, but the kids that are lucky enough to play a high school season, how are you going to get noticed and get exposure? And it's like you said, how many kids are going to lose out on having the opportunity to go to college, man? It's just something I don't think I fully thought about it. I'm being serious until I started talking to Marshawn about it is, is how many kids have been impacted by this I don't know about you, man. I'm not a parent, so it doesn't, I'm not in the, you know, I, I, I talk to high school parents and kids, but I'm not in that world every day. And I don't think it resonated with me how big of a deal this is and how impactful it is for so many different people. Well, yeah, that, and also I'll finish up with this is you think about the, the kids that didn't, some of them didn't get to play their senior years. And then some of them didn't get to play their junior years. And we're going into the second part where it's starting to dip into another, we've already seen it affect basketball and baseball season. It didn't affect football season as much, obviously, but some of these kids that were juniors, they're going to possibly miss out two years and that's just going to be devastating. I'm I'm just, I hope to not even think about that any more than I have to, but but definitely look forward to, uh, to catching Marshawn's interview. You can catch that and so much other great content, basketball, football. I know that you really got a lot of uh, attraction uh, during the whole deal. When speaking of canceling when PAC 12 and big 10, so he covers it all, man, all those calls. I know that you're not really a college baseball guy, but basketball, football, Uh, he's got you covered. So check out the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast if you're not subscribed already. But again, AT, as always, my brother, it is great talking with you. I'm sure we'll talk with you soon down the road here. That's one thing, Kyle. I always tell Phil Elson, I say, I let you cover all the college baseball stuff. You let me know when I need to start paying attention. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, you know, I, I, I take pride in, in, you know, the work that I do. But, dude, thank you for having me, man. I, I always appreciate you you having me on your show. Uh, And it was fun, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, as always, for listening. For Aaron Torres, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.